Hey everybody, welcome to episode 4 of The Great Divide. I'm not going to waste much time this time with an introduction. This is part 2 of our countdown of Big Country's top B-sides and rarities of all time. And so let me just give a brief recap of where we are. We're about to start with number 6, and Svein's list went like this. His number 10 was Bass Dance, Belief in the Small Man. He counted those as one, which well he should. Um, I think he made a great point that they go together. His number 9 was Balcony. His number eight was Eastworld. His number seven was Living by Memory. And my list so far, number 10 is Can You Feel the Winter? Number nine is You Lose Your Dreams. Number eight is Promised Land. And number seven was Winter Sky. So let's just kick right into it with our number six picks, starting with Spine. Shot! Number six. Number six. Six. We're heading into the mid-90s here. And, um... The Wide Long Face era. Uh, I don't think this is House in the Woods, but um, it's from the Year Dreamer single. They released uh, a couple of those, and on one of them, they have a trio of B-sides that I just, I just love them. They're almost a bit uh, of the Nashvilleian inspiration. They have, uh, uh, it's basically the songs are Ice Cream Smile, Magic in Your Eyes, yeah. and Bianca. And I love those trio of songs. That's such a juicy uh, single to get. Those three songs. And yes. My favorite of those are number six on my list, and that's Magic in Magic Your Eyes. In your eyes. I knew it. <laughs> Just, it just has that earnestness, that big country yeah. earnestness. Uh, you start playing, and it, and um, on the surface, you know, magic in your eyes. What a nice title that is. It's romantic, it's beautiful. And then you look at the lyrics. Our mystery has gone. Our mystery has gone. Our mystery has gone. <laughs> but there's magic in your eyes. Is that good or bad? Well, you know how so, I always took. You know how I always took that. Um, and I could, you know, this is just the way I interpreted it. I interpreted that as a good thing. And the way, the reason that I did. I kind of looked at that lyric as, um, you know, being maybe a couple who has been together or married for a long period of time. And, you know, maybe they're at the point where you're not feeling those twinges of, uh, you know, excitement and goosebumps that you feel when you're first in love with someone and trying to figure them out and everything. But you've settled into something that's deeper and more meaningful to some degree. So it's it's I always interpret it as he's saying you know, we're way past that initial stage of falling in love with each other, but we have something deeper. There's a magic in your eyes, and, you know, I still love you and have this great connection to you. I mean, that's how I chose to interpret the song. Yeah, and uh, that's probably correct. There's this one verse that leaves me puzzled, that meantime we're agreeing, the causes of my leaving, verse that I believe in, steps that I must take. So is this guy leaving this person or um what what's going on and uh like all the good songs this isn't explained you have to sort of take things as they are and right. ponder it and meanwhile there's magic in your eyes so <laughs> uh no it's it's a it's just an interesting little song and uh a good example of you know uh i didn't pay close attention to the lyrics that's sort of a blessing of not being a native speaker you can just hum along and like the melody and for years that that's what it was and uh eventually you it gets a bit more under your skin and you look at it and you go hmm 
you know, okay, that's interesting. Right. And exactly. um, so it's just uh, I don't know what it's about, and I don't think Stu has ever said much about this. It's it's just a forgettable B-side after all. So there you go. That trio of songs on that You Dreamer single is so great, and it's so different too than the House in the Woods songs, which uh, you are know, more harder aged. Yeah. And, uh, and these and, clearly were recorded at the same time. They're more softer, more dare I say, Nashvillean. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you can really hear that that's where he's heading musically. I mean, uh, Magic in Your Eyes and Ice Cream Smile. Um, Bianca's a little more hard-edged, but uh, yeah. Yeah, but you can hear it still within the same sort of feel. Those three songs belong together. So I'm glad they put them all on the same single. It's it's really a juicy single. You get all of those uh, there. It really is. The one thing interesting about that that song, too, is um, the harmonies, the vocal harmonies. uh, They... They kind of take that three-part harmony thing there that Big Country doesn't hadn't really done very much. And to be honest, it's something that I've never liked as much because I'm not I'm not a huge uh, country music type of, of guy, but uh, I can appreciate a lot of it, but. For some reason, on this song, it works completely for me. I mean, I, I love it. I love the uh, the way the, they harmonize on the chorus, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it just works great. And I, I think this is almost another example, not quite to the extent of Living by Memory, but I think it's a, a nice little uh, marriage of the two styles and the, and the influences of Stuart's Scottish folk roots coming into play with uh, his getting more involved in the country music of Nashville and that kind of thing. It's... It still has a very Stuart feel to the song, but it's but it's different. Yeah, and uh, it was the first sort of dip into the pool that they continue to explore with Driving to Damascus. They had a lot of songs in this vein, but these three songs have something. Uh, uh, none of the ones that followed are quite in this vein. It's it's like a perfect marriage of the Nashville sound and uh, sort of the rootsier part of Scottish music, maybe. Well, okay, so my number six. Um, <laughs> I hate to say that I begrudgingly put it here, but I I kind of did only because of what I what I keep saying is that I'm I'm a little burned out on the song to some degree, and this is a song that I really prefer the uh, the live version of. Although I I do think the studio version is is awesome, or I wouldn't have put it on the list because obviously you know the first version I heard of it was the studio version, and when I heard it for the first time, it was one of those goosebump inducing moments where I just thought this is a classic big country song why wasn't this on an album and in a sense it almost isn't a b-side but it it was technically a b-side and it's the song restless natives And it's it's kind of hard to call this a B-side in one sense because it it was specifically written for for a movie soundtrack and you know it was the title track to the movie Restless Natives. Um, I, I remember in an interview Stewart did he said they were thinking about releasing that as an album, but then they thought you know people would have gotten confused and said that this is the third big country album and there's only one song with one or two songs with lyrics on it. What's happening here? So he said they decided to release the entire soundtrack as B-sides, you know, to the to the Seer singles. But anyway, 
Um, you know, we could do a whole podcast about the Restless Native soundtrack, which I think is just a masterpiece of, of music. But Restless Natives, I think, is just a, a, an incredible song. Um, the opening is... I love the uh, the chords of the opening and just the grittiness of the guitar. But the the one thing that I think, whereas the drum machine kind of helped Eastworld, I think the drum machine hurts Restless Natives, the studio version. Um, and I do believe it's a drum machine. I mean, I, I've, some people have said it's not, but I, I think it's clearly a drum machine in there. Maybe maybe there was some overdubs of some things, but I mean, if you listen to the snare part. It's just like that same exact drum machine sounding snare that kind of goes through the whole song. I have and to I, agree. Yeah, and and I really I really think this song could have benefited and does actually benefit when it's played live. I, I first heard this song live on a big country bootleg video was uh, from the Town and Country Club in 1990 with Pat Ahern on drums, and um, they opened the show with this. And I never expected them to play the song, so I was really excited to see it.
this song actually has one of my favorite Stuart lyrics of all time, and that's um, "Stand here by me until the ways of age and youth are one and same." And every time I hear that, and it, even just saying it now, I feel the goosebumps go up, go up and down. I mean, I just think that's such an incredible line, and it's such a stirring, stirring song anyway. And then when you hear those lyrics and who who will raise the torch for those who died? I mean, it's it's got that whole feel for what I loved about Big Country from the beginning, which is that larger than life um, type of. I, I hate to say music to go to war by, but it's got that kind of feel to it. You know, just like this this battle anthem that you could see someone rallying their troops by by reciting these lines and playing. Oh yes, you know, playing yeah, definitely. I think. My my sister-in-law said it uh, nicely once. She said that after she listened to Big Country, she felt like just rushing up and saving the world. (laughs) (laughs) I I kind of know what she means immediately. That's a better way to put it. Yeah, it's it's certainly inspiring, and you, it's it's a bit of a get up and go. And certainly in the early days, uh, we talked about this already that the lyrics are always inspiring, always poetic. There's not a throwaway thing about it. And uh, if anything, uh, seeing the movie kind of ruins it a bit for me. Uh, taking the lyrics as they were, which I did for years before I actually saw Restless Native the movie. Mm. Uh, Same here, they, by the way. They, yeah, they, they took on a certain meaning, and I don't want to imagine two uh, Scottish uh, dopey teenagers with a <laughs> clown mask and a wolfman mask riding uh, a motorcycle across the moors to capture a bus. And, I agree, uh, and I, I don't even uh, like that. I don't even like in the studio version when they have the the lines from the movie in the beginning of the song. I don't like that. I don't want to hear that. And the beginning is so beautiful. It's that yeah, it almost ruins it. And, yeah, and then they come, Ronnie, do you want to come tomorrow? <laughs> Aye. It's all finished now, isn't it? <laughs> you, you get all of that stuff. and uh, That's great. Ronnie, do you want to come tomorrow? Aye. It's all finished now, isn't it? Shut Okay. So we are up to number five, and um, Svein, we will start with you. Number five. What's your number five? Yes, uh, this will be a pretty short discussion, I think, because my number five was your number six, so they're sort of back-to-back Restless Natives. Okay. Uh, The only thing I really have to add at the top of my head is uh, I agree with you on the drum sound, that snare drum sound. That is the one thing that could get on my nerves. Right. Uh, The rest of it sounds pretty ferocious just like the playing they really are full tilt on that song and uh, the only thing to add about the lyrics is uh, as with all the other songs from the restless native movie it's best to forget the movie and make your own associations exactly well that's good i mean i, th- I think we've uh, said all we can say about that song and that's a that's a good choice we're definitely very like-minded on that one yeah okay okay well i'm gonna have a similar type of thing uh for my number five because it's east world and we've already talked about that a good bit yeah. Um, the only thing I'll say about that is uh, I remember hearing that the first time um, when I got the Alone CD single, and uh, that was the first Alone was the first thing that I heard, you know, that was going to be on the Buffalo Skinners album, and I, I really liked that song a lot. But Eastworld to me was was superior in in most ways, except for maybe the drum machine portion. But as we talked about, uh, the drum machine really works great on that song. It does. Yeah, and I, I still, to, to this day, it's one of my, not only one of my favorite B-sides, but, I mean, it's certainly up there in my favorite big country songs. Just love it. But, uh, yeah, we, I mean, we dissected that quite a bit, so I don't really, really have much else to add except for um, 
I think you talked about the the great guitar parts, and I can yeah. I, the yeah. playout part, it's tremendous. It the really last is. Two minutes, it's just a playout, and that's wonderful. It's kind of like Into the Fire from uh, No Place Like Home. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wonderful long playout session with a catchy guitar solo. That's more catchy than uh, than it is clever. But the, <laughs> that, that's part of its cleverness, I assume. But uh, it really, really works. Four. Anyway, okay, so that's Eastworld, um, and I guess we're up to number four. So what, yes. what's, your, what's your number four? My number four has not been mentioned yet, so I'm wondering if you have it. I would assume you don't, okay. because this is um, it is one of the trio of songs that we got on the vinyl release uh, of, uh, was it You Dreamer? I there were three songs there, and you already mentioned Can You Feel the Winter as uh, one of those, but the one I like the most is Golden Boy Loves Golden Girl. So that's my number four, and um, it's uh, it just struck me as extremely, uh, you know, melody-driven, uh, very, very catchy. It has that catchiness that some of the country songs just do. Extremely, you know, you can hum it along. Everything is hummable about the song. Yeah. And powerful. Uh, the lyrics, you know, the topic is as old as you can get. You know, the girl loves boy, or. Uh, Vice versa, as the case might be, and but the girl doesn't love boy. Yeah, it seems so, like another uh, one of those breakup songs, you know. Yeah, they they flourished in the nineties, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. They really yeah. did. But uh, it's cleverly done. It's sort of a twist on it, and uh, the golden boy and golden girl. I don't know. Uh, the golden child. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but I don't know. Um, it, so it's uh, it's a bit poetic. It's one of those songs that in the mid '90s, where a lot of songs weren't poetic, this one tends to be, even for the subject matter. You know, as classic as can be. You know, boy loves girl, girl loves the boy. But yeah. it's very, very poetic, just like you know the other two songs from that single. Uh, and uh, part of the attraction for these songs were that they only came out on vinyl. Exactly. Uh, all the others were on CD singles, and these were vinyl. And I think. Finally, we got them on rarities. Yeah, and they were well, very hard to find uh, for a while yeah. there, too. I mean, very difficult to find. Yes, exactly. So, uh, uh, and, and that's always part of the attraction for collectors. Finally, you get them and you can play them and uh, obsess over them. But uh, I think this one really holds up. It's a very good song. Uh, kind of belongs nicely in the period for Wide Long Face. They had that uh, guitar-driven, very melodic songs. But uh, this is a bit more of a throwback, kind of like Can You Feel the Winter. It, is, it has something about the sound. Uh, and I was listening again to it earlier today, and it struck me that, wow, you know, it's, uh, it doesn't sound very mic'd up. Like, the drums are kind of in the room. And uh, the general sound, it makes me think of Steel Town a bit. That uh, it's uh, not exactly. super crisp. No, I, I agree with that completely, yeah. And and I, that's kind of how I felt um, in talking about Can You Feel the Winter? There was like a Steel Town vibe to the sound of that. And uh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah there, there is like a, just a real industrial feel almost to the, to the music. 
Yeah, and dare we say, muddy production. It is muddy. <laughs> it, yeah, it is muddy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Increased Straight from the rehearsal rooms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like this song a lot too. I, I like um, I, this. Would probably be my second favorite from that from that 12-inch vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think hardly a mountain is decent, but not quite as good as the other two. Right. Um, I like this song a lot. The one thing that might hold it back for me is the verse. There's something about the the verses musically that doesn't really grab me. Uh, it seems a little. I don't know. It's just, sometimes the verses in the song strike me as being a little plotting, if that makes sense. But I, I do love the chorus. I love when the chorus kicks in, and um, there's some great guitar playing in it, some really cool lead lines, as I, re- as I recall. I haven't heard it in a while. I need to go back and listen to it. But, um, but yeah, the, uh, the lyrics are definitely, you know, the typical Dark Stewart lyrics that he was writing a lot around that time. And, and what strikes me about the lyrics is there are so many of them. This is like a huge, you know, you look at it, and it just goes on. Uh, so many lyrics, uh, even though a lot of it is repetitive, but uh, it's, no, there uh, is, yeah, yeah, quite a, quite a bit. So uh, he had a lot to say on this topic. I like all the songs on that House in the Woods session. I think they're all, you know, very interesting and and really sit, really sit apart from the stuff on Why the Long Face. Both, both, maybe not necessarily lyrically, but definitely sonically, they they sit sit apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess just in the production of them. All right, well, my number four uh, is another one that we've already talked about, and that is Belief in the Small Man. Um, I can't, which, what number was that for you? That was number 10. That and was number 10. you have to include bass dance. Yeah, that's right. And I, d- I did not include, include bass dance, but you've convinced me. I'll allow you me. to add it hastily. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm adding it right now. <laughs> so my number four would be bass dance and Belief in the Small Man, because you're right, they do go together. They go perfectly together, and there's not really much more to say about this song that, than we have than we've already said. Um, you know, just a great song, a great heavy big country song, a heavy and uplifting big country song. I love the uh, the the beat of the song, the the move of, mood of the song. It feels like uh, it reminds me of like a giant, you know, a giant creature, a giant uh, robot like walking toward something. It's just like boom, 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 big giant footsteps. Um, I'd, I never really have, had heard, I don't think when I heard that song, I never really heard a song with that kind of a, um, tribal type of drum beat before, at least not a rock song. And there's something really cool about it. Uh, and like all the songs on the, the Steel Town album and from that period, there's like just all kinds of guitar stuff going on in that song. I mean, it's like an orchestra of guitars happening and so many little parts. And, you know, as I said, we've already said a lot about it, but. That was my number four. Great song, yeah. Belief in the Small Man. One thing we didn't say about it that uh, struck me when you mentioned the rhythm just now. Uh, yeah. It's almost a waltz, isn't it? It is very much like that. Yes. It is like yeah, a waltz. So, so the next time we have waltz evening uh, over here, I'll play on this song. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I can see you guys waltz waltzing evening. to that easily. Yeah, you could waltz around the, the house to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be the, he- the heaviest waltz ever ever recorded. It might be. <laughs> Certainly the best. Three. So we're up to the top three now. And uh, exactly. who knows? This this might be where we have some some overlap, but uh, I'm assuming we'll at least have one, maybe two songs here that overlap. But who knows? Maybe we won't. So what is your number yes, three? Uh, I, I do expect us to overlap this one. This is uh, one of the epics, uh, which takes us back to the early days. 
and mm. uh, it should have been the title track from the first album, The Crossing. Uh, this is uh, just, uh, it might be the first true big country epic uh, in my book, even though you know, Pearl Man is on the album. Uh, I don't remember if this came out before or after that in some capacity. I think it was on the Chance single, so probably after. Okay. Uh, but to me, this is uh, archetypical uh, big country early days. I think there's four or five different parts to this song. Uh, and uh, it just follows the theme of, you know, the general early album was very much of the elements. It's uh, the elements and the landscapes. Yes. So, so this is a sort of stride forth out there. And uh, it's, uh, the song is really a journey. And uh, it mentions the compasses and the maps. It mentions uh, all of that stuff. So this is yet again one of those songs that, like the early days, uh, I got more drawn into the sonicness of it than the lyrics. Mm. The lyrics uh, I focused on more later. Uh, and uh, it's just, you know, one of those larger-than-life songs. And I can't understand for the life of me why this wasn't on the album yeah it's an incredible song now now this is not on my list and the only reason it's not on my list is because i didn't consider it a b-side since it was on the wonderland ep but um but you know like like we've said before i mean it doesn't matter but that's the that's the only reason i didn't put it on this list um or else i would have certainly put like angle park on here too because that's one of my favorite all-time big country songs but so the crossing is not on my list but um I, I, I thought about it when I was doing this, but yeah, what a what an amazing song that is. I mean, it is like you're right. It's the first big country epic, and they're playing that one live now too. I don't know if you've you've heard their version of that with Mike Peters, but uh, yes, I've okay. heard that, and uh, they've actually played this uh, quite a bit for a so-called B-side, and is it yes. a B-side? Uh, so uh, so I think it's one of the more played B-sides. So they clearly are proud of this song, and they should be. I love the song. The lyrics are just so bizarre, though, for that song. Uh, again, it's one of those really abstract – lyrically, it's so, such an abstract song by Stewart. And, uh, but they're great. I mean, great lyrics. And the part that, that gets me every time is that um, breakdown section when, when it's just the guitar and, and the tempo changes and the guitar kicks in. It's like da 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 Yes. I mean, that's just so chilling. I mean, that gives you the, the goosebumps immediately. And that that moment right there is just kind of a microcosm to me of what big country is all about and what, what I love so much about them. There's another big playout section. I think yes. that's final guitar line. Oh, my gosh. It just goes and it just, on and on and on. And you're yeah. waiting for it to end, but you don't really want it to. And it just, you know, it's great. Yeah, so, so I think that's at least three songs in our top ten B-sides that has wonderful great playout session and we really get a kick out of those so why don't they do it more so yeah they, they really pull those off exactly so do you think it was meant for the album since they named the album after a song it's well i know it was written before any anything else before a lot of other things from the crossing were written so i don't understand either why it wasn't on there i mean i don't think i've ever seen a statement by the band explaining why that that was not on the album uh the only yeah. thing i the only thing yeah, I can name think the album of after it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's kind of strange. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that they liked uh Poro Man and the Storm more and they just thought that we've run out of space. 
Yeah, but but even then, as you say, you know, they, if they like the song enough to name the album after it, um, yeah. of, of course, I'm assuming they named the album after the song. He might have he might have just loved the title, but still, you have to assume you know he named it after the song. So yeah, it's it's very strange. It, I've seen that happen a couple times with different bands where they they have an album that's you know named after a song that's not actually on the album but pops up sometime later in their career but um not very often do you see that happen so yeah that's that yeah. that'd be a great question to ask so that's your number three my number three is uh song of the south From the Seer Sessions, uh, and I, this was also produced, kind of like Belief in the Small Man was produced, given the full production by Steve Lillywhite. This was given the full production by Robin Miller, or Millar, I'm not sure how you say his name. Um, but this, you know, this is a great big country song. One of my favorites, obviously, since it's number three. Um, but one of my favorite songs by them, period. I mean, I don't I don't know how I would rank it in, in the span of all of their songs, but... Um, it's just I, I wish this had been on the seer. I mean, I this is another one that I really think would have fit beautifully on the seer. Uh, it could have been once again just another one of those issues of space. I mean, personally, I would put this. Uh, ironically, I would put this instead of one great thing, which ironically because it's the B side to one great thing. But um, I I personally think it's a better song. But um, in reading the notes that Stewart wrote for this, he says. This was done at the power plant with Robin Millar producing. Robin is one of the nicest people I've ever worked with and has remained a source of good advice and inspiration. The song is about apartheid, and I kind of like the idea of using a Disney title for it to show how the media exploit real suffering for ratings. Yeah, Song of the South was a Walt Disney movie from the 1940s, and it's funny because that movie was never, it's never been fully released in uh in any form i don't believe only portions of it i don't know if you're are you familiar with that at all have you ever seen any bits of it it doesn't ring any bells okay there's a song called there's a song called zippity zippity doodah (laughs) okay that that's everybody knows that song yeah that's from that movie that's the uh that's from the movie song of the south and there was a black character in that movie called uncle remus and he was um the movie took place shortly after slavery was abolished and shortly after the Civil War ended. And Uncle Remus was this uh, older black gentleman who told all these uh, folk tales to this little white boy who came to visit. And it was kind of a mixture of it was kind of a mixture of live action and cartoons. And it's got all these southern folk stories. It's really, really great stuff. I used to love it when I was a kid. Um, but apparently they haven't released the full movie because there are portions of it that they think would be considered uh, racist. But anyway, back to the song. I mean, I, I know apartheid was a big issue in music back then. And um, there was a song, Sun City, that Little Steven did that I think you 2 performed on. Yeah. Uh, so I know that was a big topic of a lot of songs and bands were refusing to play there. Um, so, it was, you know, it's a very topical song for big country, uh, something that that's right in line with the kind of stuff they were doing at the time politically, uh, but musically is, is where it shines for me. I mean, 
there's a lot of really just interesting stewardisms I would I would say you know a lot of typical great Stewart guitar parts with the droning open strings and um, the kind of staccato-y rhythm guitars and uh, it's got the big heavy drums and it's a very uplifting song even despite the subject matter again you know another one it's another one of those big country songs with kind of dark um, subject matter but a great uplifting anthemic sounds and the I don't. I love it. I especially love the, the solo section. Um, there's a breakdown, and it's just kind of got this one little lead guitar line that plays over and over again. It's like. You can also hear someone talking over a loudspeaker in the background, and I cannot understand at all what's being said. I'd like to know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came from, but uh, but anyway, this is one of my favorites, and it's in the top three, so or it is number three, so this is a, a big one for me. Uh, I would definitely agree that the B side is better than the A side for that one, and um, there's a couple of other songs as well that I would uh, replace with on the C here. Yeah. Uh, it is not on my top ten. Um, I didn't even put it on my top 20. Uh, to me, it's a good song. It's not a standout song. It's a solid song. Uh, I might have to go back. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time. I go back to a big country song and listen now for those instrumentations you spoke of. The, <laughs> right. Uh, when you break down a song, sometimes the, the sums just stand out and uh, increases you know, the whole sum of it. Exactly. Uh, so, um, so it might be one of those songs. And uh, you're right. It, it sounds very happy-go-lucky, for sure. Uh, it isn't that happy-go-lucky when you dig into the subject, of course. You know, it's uh, and, and it was a big thing in the 80s, apartheid. It right. was uh, it was a really big deal. Whenever a band played, uh, you know, in uh, South Africa, you still talk about it. I think Queen went there. I think Black Sabbath went there, and it still comes up. That's true. Uh, yeah, you're especially, right. Especially Queen, you know, because they um, they still defend that decision to play there. Wow. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's very interesting. So, so it, it gets talked about quite a bit. So, it, it does fall into that. And of course, uh, big country should have an even stronger voice there because uh, you have to, you know, Tony being in the band. You know, it would yeah. be uh, very near and dear to all of them. Two. All right. So, song of the south. I wish they'd play that live, but uh, I don't ever imagine that will happen. But. Uh... I can dream. So that's my number three. And let's move on to number two. We're almost to the top of the list. So what's your number two? All right. My number two, which sometimes is number one. But for <laughs> the most part, uh, it's a number two. Uh, it's not the Big Country original. It's a cover version. And it's oh, a cool. tremendous cover version. It's Prairie Rose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, we talked about ferociousness before with Restless Natives. The same applies here. The playing is amazing, especially if you follow the bass line. Tone is really ripping on the song. Yeah, he is. And, uh, and Mark, you know, he plays as heavy as Mark can. And uh, he can when he wants to. And he does here. So, so Preveros, it's, it, it's really kicking up quite a few notches from the original, which I eventually got to play, and, uh, which I eventually got to listen to. And... Uh, 
I, I, I'm wondering why did it take that song? Why did it stand out to them? And the only thing I can think of is uh, the name check of the lyric. There's a there's a lyric that goes, "The lonesome star shine down on the big country," That's and right. that always makes That's me right. smile. Yep. I always listen for that little bit. Uh, not confirming me. Yep, that's right. And I'm wondering if it's as simple as that. Did they pick the song for that little thing? Uh, in the early days, you know, they had a hit with In a Big Country, you know, so they, and then Peros with Stars in a Big Country. So I'm wondering if it's as simple as that. I'm sure it had a lot to do with that. Now, I will say this. I, I know that I've read in the past that Stewart was a fan of Roxy Music. Um, so... I, I, he must have been familiar with you know the song and familiar with the band and what they were doing. So yeah. maybe he maybe he just liked the song, but that line put it over the top for him because I've heard the original too. It's been a long time and I can't completely remember how it went, which probably speaks a lot to how I felt about it. <laughs> say i like that version it's uh, it's good but uh, i don't really see how you get that version and exactly. think oh we can do that with this song i mean that's a it's a tremendous reworking they almost deserve a writing credit in my opinion they took it to a to a place where it was never really destined to go exactly and uh you're right about Stu's influences we see some other cover versions that point to 70s glam we have Blue Reed vicious we have david Bowie cracked actor we have those things and yep music kind of fall into that so uh, it does make sense you can kind of see the taste there and some consistency in the choices yeah definitely and and uh yeah that that song is not on my list but it it, it would be in the teens i would say you know in the in the in the high teens or the lower teens um yeah that's a great song and another great uh steel town b-side and, and another you know one of those steel town songs that got the full production treatment too so i mean um it, and the drums in that always reminded me of the Tall Ships Go drums. I mean, they just had that, it's just got that driving, just incredible, uh, you know, we throw the word ferocious out a lot, but I mean, that's a great word for it. I mean, it is, it is. it's ferocious. It's just a, an incredible force of nature, that song. And uh, it, yeah. It is. It, it can't be stopped. And, you're, uh, you're right. You're right. And, and it's amazing how they manage to keep it melodic at the same time. And that, yeah. That's sort of like the hook, line, and sinker for me. Uh, with a lot of the music I listened to, I mentioned last week, I was uh, a metalhead. And uh, a lot of it comes from a very strong melody played powerfully. And that's exactly what this song is. So yeah. uh, early on, I really latched onto this song. I, I thought it was a standout. Like most of the Steelton album, it's a bit like that. You have a yeah. strong melody and you play it uh, intensively and ferociously. And it's such a winning combination. It's really showed that Big Country knew how to rock. Exactly. And I also love the end of the song when he, when he, in fact, speaking of Tall Ships Go, when he references the song in the lyric. Yeah, 
awesome song. I remember hearing that for the first time at a friend's house who uh, who had the 12-inch, and he played that for me, and he was a big country fan as well, and that's how we became friends, So, um, and being blown away by it. So, yeah, that, that's, a, that's an awesome tune. Good pick. Okay, so my number two is, is similar to yours in that sometimes it's number one, and, and it may be number one next week. I, I, my number two and my number one are so close, and uh, I almost switched them today again, but I decided just to keep it as it is. But uh, my number two is Christmas Island. Another big country epic. It's got absolutely some of my favorite guitar parts in any big country song. I mean, the opening of the song just uh, it just kills me. It's just so incredibly cool and ominous and and uh, and dark and clever and creative. Uh, I love it. The use of the delay there. Um, it goes really well with uh, with what th- the band was was doing in those REL sessions. I mean, there, there was such a cool sound, I think, to the songs that they were recording there, was, as we talked about with some of the other ones that we've discussed. I mean, there was just like a really great sound that all of them had. Um, it was almost like a... And, and the band did produce them themselves, and I I just really think that could have been a great album if it, if it would have continued. And to me, this would have been one of the standout tracks on it. Um, I did not know anything about Christmas Island when I heard this song, and I've since come to... Uh, learn about it. It was um, a place where they did, where the British did some of their earliest nuclear tests back in the 1950s, like a little island in the South Pacific. And there were a lot of Scottish uh, people who worked there, so I'm sure that had a lot to do with Stuart writing the song. And apparently, um, a lot of the testers there were forced to watch these uh, these blasts as part of their job, and they weren't given any kind of protective gear. But there was a guy who wrote a description about uh, what happened, the guy who was actually a, a tester there. And he talks about they were all sitting there waiting, and they were waiting in fear for the for the bomb to go off because they knew it was going to be, be uh, detonated. And a voice in a loudspeaker told them, you know, gave a countdown and told them to look away. And so they turned, they turned their eyes to look away from the blast. But when the blast happened, the guy said that he could see through his entire arm. He could see the bones in his arm. He could see the, the blood going through his hand. He could see every part of his, of his, uh, of his arm and hand. And he, could say, he said he could even see the flash of the nuclear bomb in his hand. And uh, it just seems very surreal and otherworldly. And apparently the people who are still alive who were a part of that have been trying to sue... Um, the government for many years and i noticed i just noticed today that they have their own facebook page that i just uh, liked it's called christmas island veterans and uh so if you're wow. a big if you're a big country fan out there um who loves this song you should go check that out on facebook and like it because i know they're they're trying to 
raise um, awareness for themselves because they because of the, the poor way that they were they were treated and they were handled um, they they've had all kinds of health issues over the years and they feel like they've passed a lot of those health issues on to children and uh, just really awful stuff so it, it really puts that song in a whole new light uh, when you when you read about what actually happened there so I mean for me what grabbed me initially was uh, it, it came out on rarities too and what grabbed me about it is that I, I thought that I had heard finally all the REL tape songs. I had no idea that there were any more that, that still existed. And this was one of those that uh, was a complete surprise. No idea the song ever existed. And uh, it was a great surprise to see that I was going to hear a new big country song. And then what an even better surprise to hear what has become one of my favorite big country songs. Um, Again, talked about the opening, the guitar part. It's another one of those epics. Uh, it just, the lyrics are incredibly uh, well-written and capture that whole feeling of, of uh, what was going on there on that island, especially after you read the actual reports. It really makes more, even more sense. Um, and I love just the little lead parts, and the drumming is incredible, and uh, there there's like a certain part of the song where in each verse he will say the line like um in the beginning it's like uh for i would not leave such friends as these and then the 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 music kind of slowly slowly builds and it keeps building and then mark goes into this great little drum roll and then it goes back into the next verse and it really could easily be my number one but it today it is not it isn't my number two yeah yeah wow What's left to say? <laughs> yeah. Sorry uh, about uh, that. No, that's that's fine. It, it, it's really fascinating. Uh, I think Stu would be proud that he wrote a song that made you check it up, uh, all this stuff. I, I'm, I'm sure that was part of what he hoped to achieve. So, yeah. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting if you think piece in our time and uh, he assumed aiming at the American market. And even though this might be a, a British uh, thing that... It, Maybe it was deemed too controversial to include on an album to for the masses. But then again, there's snares on the album, so who knows? Right. Uh, this is not on my list, but that's primarily because I didn't uh, deem it a B-side. But uh, it certainly is a good song. You know, I, I could have. Uh, uh, it, it probably wouldn't have been in my top ten. It would have been in the lower end of the top uh, sort of twenty. Uh, I like it a lot. Uh, I think. Um, it's interesting how you say it's an epic because it, it, it is it sort of clocks between six and seven minutes but it doesn't feel like an epic it's very sparse it's more like on the it's one of those that comes creeping in yes so it it's, so it isn't the full grandiose you know it isn't a sweeping mountainside kind of epic like the crossing right it's more like uh, one of those uh, it builds slowly and uh, uh, I'm sure that happened to you it sort of crept in there and yeah, uh, yeah so it's one of those songs it's very neatly pulled off okay so we are we are about ready to give the number one um but before we do i i emailed you about this before i, I thought it would be cool to um give I, what what amounts to our number 11 i mean if if there's one song that you really that it really hurt you not to put in the top 10 list uh what would that be yeah, yeah. As, as you know, you know, I put down my top twenty-one, and uh, that's yeah. even wrong at this point. 
So, <laughs> but, uh, but, but 11, I had two songs battling for that spot, and uh, in the end, over the border, east out Birmingham. Ah, cool. So o- over the border is my number 11. That uh, comes from the same sessions as Christmas Island. Awesome. And, uh, oh, yeah. We keep coming back to those sessions. There's something magic about them. And over the border is, uh, I think, uh, borderline epic, if not full-blown epic. But it, that has some of those. It has the slow build-up at first, that sort of small, almost menacing guitar part. And then it grows into a full band. And it uh, it never sort of kicks up into high gear. But uh, that's part of the sort of the lure of the song that it right. uh, goes on. It's very moody. It has one of those uh, uneasy feelings. It's just an overall very nice feel. I, I I just like that song a lot. I I do too, and yeah, that's a that's a great choice. And for me, um, it would be the song that I would pick. It, it, it's a song that I heard for the first time in a long time recently, so that's why I'm picking it. Um, yeah, I don't know, but it, it's it's a song that goes a little further, believe it or not, into the Big Country catalog. Uh, so it's not one of the older songs, which is what I did to choose. But this song is from the Driving to Damascus sessions, and it's called Dust on the Road. As you said, Living by Memory was your favorite uh, song from all of the Driving to Damascus sessions. I think this is my favorite from that period. Um, another dark song about abuse. It's about um, a girl, a little girl. It's kind of almost from her perspective who's who's living in a bad environment and the father is drunk and beating the wife. And at the end, the mother takes the child and they leave. Um but it's it's just really really beautifully written lyrically, and I just love the guitars in it. As as we were talking about, as I said about living by memory, I think it's just a great musically. It's a great marriage between the new influences that were creeping up in Stewart's mm-hmm. writing and his traditional big country Scottish roots. I mean, because you still get like some of the big country sounding guitars in it, and um, and yet it's got that Nashville influence as well but it's like it doesn't sound necessarily country and it doesn't sound like you know the old school big country but it's a good combination between the two i think that's a great pick it's uh you know i dare you to you know how many happy songs are there from those driving to damascus sessions yeah it's not many not many at all i think uh are there even any? bella bella okay bella, bella. don't cry that's uplifting right you know i yeah, haven't done but, except uh, except for me, one. because that's that's a song I don't like. But uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So when you hear it, you get sad. Yeah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so so there are no uplifting songs at all on Driving to Damascus. But uh, therein <laughs> lies some of the attraction. I, I would agree that uh, Dust on the Road is definitely one of the better songs from those sessions. And uh, I have in front of me a quote from Stewart that he replied to a post on the official bulletin board. Oh, when he cool. was asked about this song. Uh, oh, he wow. wrote it. He wrote it with a friend in Nashville, Christy Siemens, and played it to the guys, and they loved it, and so they rattled off a version. That's more or less his take on it, that uh, he played it, they liked it, they sort of uh, hammered it down, and that's it, and who knows wow. what they could have made of it if they decided to go for it for a full version. So. I know, I know. Yeah. I just think that song is so much so much better than you know, a number of songs on Driving to Damascus that I could name, but uh, 
Yeah, well, I mean, we say this about all the B-sides. One. 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 Well, okay, well, here we are then. Uh, we are at number one. So. Yes, I have a... to say the, the overlaps have uh, not been as many as expected. No, same here. Definitely. It's been, it's been pretty cool, actually. There's been a lot of, a lot of interesting, uh, interesting yeah. lists here, I think. So, okay, well, um, I'm going to cue my drum roll here. And what is your number one big country B-side of all time? All right. Uh, I know for a fact that you don't have it as your number one. <laughs> si- simply by the criteria you stated earlier. Um, <laughs> it, it is on the Wonderland EP. Okay. It's all fall together. Oh, yeah. has been one of my favorites if not the favorite big country song since i heard it it's yeah. uh, it is in the same mold as the storm uh in my mind there i even consider them twin songs they're a bit related they, they have some of the same mood oh yeah and uh even the lyrics to me is slightly about the same thing uh which uh you know a lyric analysis of the early years is almost impossible it's very grandiose it's very epic it's very uh abstract uh, at times but you have these glimpses right and uh, especially in the earliest for me it was like glimpses of lyrics that stood out and i grabbed those and attached own meanings and uh, uh it's almost like a follow-up to the storm for me where you have mm. uh, uh, i always for some reason think of it back in time and the storm can be anything it's something approaching something with doom right so it right. could be a physical storm that is so devastating that it leaves destruction or it could be you know, for that matter, a Viking invasion. It could be, uh, <laughs> or some hordes, or it could be uh, anything. It could even be on sort of the personal level that uh, there is something, uh, an impending doom that is going to happen. Right, right. Even, even though, even though the lyrics to that song is very much uh, naturey, you know, being washed out by the rain and all of those things, they, they they seem to be very, you know, lend itself to nature imagery and those things. So. The storm can be sort of literal, but I, I think there's it, it can be anything, really. Uh, so all fall together. It's kind of like now it's no longer impending. Now it's actually happening. And uh, lyrically, uh, the subject matter is a kind of doomsday scenario. Uh, we're all going down. And there are some lyrics that really just stand out and gives me chills. Like no other song can give me chills. It's a simple line. We've changed forever. Yeah. And uh, change is good, right? You know. There has to be change, and change can be a development and an improvement. But we've changed forever, and that forever part seems to indicate there's no going back. Uh, this has happened. It's uh, you know, you know, something has been lost somehow. Exactly. So uh, it's very dramatic. And the entire just, song you just gave me you just gave me chills when I when I thought <laughs> about it. I literally just had chills go through me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it very much is like that, and uh, we've changed forever there's no going back now now it's happened or it is happening 
as you said, the only reason this song wouldn't be on my list is because I, I didn't consider the Wonderland EP to be B-sides, but this is definitely one of my favorite big country songs, and it's also one of my wife's favorite songs. In fact, she, she claims that um, she tears up every time the beginning of that song comes on, and she's right. I mean, it's such a... It's really one of the most beautiful openings of a song that I've ever heard. I mean, exactly. It it, it pulls you in, and then sort of the doomsday scenario starts. So it's yeah. kind of like they lure us in, and then they smack you. Exactly. It sounds almost like sirens, like mythical sirens. Not not the yeah. sirens on a on a police car, but like the old Greek mythology sirens uh, calling someone to the rocks. You know, <laughs> in, in the beginning, they're like singing a sweet song and drawing you in, and then once you get there, those drums kick in, and you're and you're you're in trouble. That's a great number one pick. Um, now, my number one pick, in case you're wondering why I didn't say much about Over the Border when you when you brought that up, it is. I had a feeling. <laughs> I was going to, but then I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll just save it. But uh, it's because Over the Border is my number one big country B-side of all time. Discussed the country with you for many years, so yes. I had an inkling. <laughs> exactly. So I didn't want you to feel like I was uh, ignoring your choice there. I just wanted to save a little bit. But um, yeah, the, I mean, the, this song, as I said before, this song and Christmas Island do a constant eternal battle for number one of the big country B-sides. Uh, today, Over the Border has won. Maybe tomorrow, Christmas Island will win. But uh, these two, two go at it all the time. But Over the Border, to me kind of we were talking about the opening of all fall together to me over the border for my in my uh from what i like it, it's got the the best opening of any big country song ever the opening of that song just uh it just kills me the just it's so powerful and so emotional for me and uh and it's so simple it's, it's really clever yeah exactly it, it's it's so simple and yet so clever and so powerful and every little little part just kind of builds and i just love that i love how you know each piece slowly comes in slowly comes in and until you know we they're i just love on all those rel session songs i love how they just take their time with each song i mean it seems like all the songs are very long and i think stewart was hurt by that sometimes you know because he he tended to write long songs he, he tended to have difficulty writing the short three-minute single you know e even this even the songs big country released as singles they were always heavily edited uh, almost to the point where you know i i thought they suffered from the editing but that could that could just be because i was used to the longer versions i don't know but you know th these rel session songs all of them seem to be like <laughs> at least five minutes long you know but uh and this is another one of those, uh, one of those epic songs. Uh, it's not quite as long as some of the others, but it's, you know, it's it's got like so many great passages in it, and they just take yes. their time and they build it. And what what disappoints me about it is that reading what Stewart says about it, 
He says, uh, this is one of the tracks we came up with during the period of inactivity between leaving Mercury in the USA and going to Warner's. Um, and that was, I guess they went to Warner's uh, for the Peace in Our Time album. So, you know, is between the Seer and Peace in Our yeah. Time, as we already know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said, it started out as a 12-string piece um, that Bruce and I, had, that Bruce had. It started out as a 12-string piece that Bruce had. And I built it in. I built it into the chorus. Uh, this is one of those tracks, like a lot on this album, that really still needs work to become a song. This is actually a demo recorded at REL in Edinburgh. The song is about how you can never run from yourself. So what disappoints me is that he thought it was a track that still needs work to become a song. I mean, to me, this is just a stellar song as it stands. Um, I don't know what else you would. I don't know what else you would do to it. I mean, it's just the lyrics are great. Uh, the, the the music is great. The performances are great. I mean, when he sings that line, um, you know, hold up out in Denver in the snow and then howling in my room, howling in my ear, howling in my soul. I mean, that just uh, that's one of those lines that gives me the goosebumps and gives me the chills. And yeah, I just think it's a, an incredible song. I mean, I love the line, uh, the spirit of the people who light a fire in the wind. I think that was really indicative of the, the whole mindset of big country at the time you know that goes really along with the stay alive line you know at this at this point he's still writing about staying strong even in the midst of adversity and you know sadly that would kind of deteriorate for him over time as we talked about you know once he gets like once he got to living by memory there was nothing you know nobody was lighting a fire in the wind they were just kind of laying right. there, <laughs> laying no there letting it blow over them yeah, Which no is, hope, nothing to live for. So exactly, that, exactly. And this is still one of those songs where he's got that feeling of, you know, I'm still gonna stick it out, and I just love it. I love the. It's got everything. It's got the the, the slow parts, the soft parts, kicks into the hard edge, big country stuff. Um, uh, one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, and, and I have to say, part of the strength of this song, like I briefly said before, was. Uh, that it doesn't start galloping off. They manage to restrain it. They keep it to that, yeah. uh, in that tempo that the, you know, which keeps it slightly mysterious. It keeps the mood. And uh, I think it would be, would be too easy to make it a full-fledged epic. And maybe that's what it's hinting at when it needs more work. You know, no, stop could, there. Could stop be. there, Stu. Nothing more. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Shut well, that was fun. I mean, we've, we've gone through a lot of songs, had a lot of good discussion about them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I want to thank you for being a part of it, and uh, hopefully we'll do many more. Yeah, I'm really happy to be part of this. Uh, like a lot of people, um, there were many years I didn't listen to Big Country, but I've been getting into it again. And uh, doing this uh, countdown, so to speak, it has been really fun. And uh, listening to the songs, trying to determine the lists, just getting back into it again. So uh, thank you for that. Okay, so that's it. I hope you enjoyed this countdown, and, uh, you know, we had a great time doing it, as you could hopefully hear. And we may have differed a little bit on what constitutes B-sides as we went along, but it gets confusing. And there's so many big country rarities and uh, non-album tracks might have been a better way to do this whole thing in hindsight. But, you know, whatever. We, we picked great songs, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the discussion. So that's going to be it for Episode 4 of The Great Divide. We'll be back probably in about a month or so. 
And we're going to be doing a, a discussion of No Place Like Home. We're going to be talking about the album track by track. And before that, we're going to be talking about the state of the band in that period of time before they recorded and released No Place Like Home, when they were doing the Heart of the World singles and when they had Pat Ahern in the band. So we'll be talking about what that was like from a fan's perspective and what we think of those songs and, and that album and that whole period. So it should be really interesting. So in the meantime, I just want to say if there are any great songs that you've heard on these podcasts and you don't have them already, please buy them. You can buy them online uh, through a variety of places, Amazon.com, iTunes. There's pretty much the whole big country catalog is up on those, those areas if you want to just get them online. And you can always, of course, go to the official site to buy these things. I mean, I know pretty much everyone who's listening to this is probably already very familiar with these things and probably already has the entire big country catalog. But I just want to make sure that, you know, nobody thinks we're, we're playing full-length big country songs here or giving anyone a, a way to get music for free that they, they, they should buy. So support the band, as always, and I'm sure all of you do. Support the band, buy their releases, and, uh, you know, keep showing them that we love their music. Okay, so finally, I want to really extend a, a big thanks to John Guvea, who hosts another great big country site, bigcountry.info. He has graciously volunteered to host these podcasts, and both Svein and I really appreciate it. It's, it's been a big help to us. Neither one of us had any free web space around, and we were trying to figure out the best way to host these things. We want to provide them on iTunes here soon as well. So John has agreed to host these for us, and we really appreciate it. And, you know, if you don't know already, his site is just an incredible wealth of big country information that he has lovingly and painstakingly created. Pretty much any any type of info you want to know about the band's output over the years, you can find on John Govea's site, bigcountry.info. And we're going to be talking to John Govea, too, at some point uh, in a, on a future podcast. He has had a lot of great experiences with the band. He's traveled with them closely, and uh, he's he's kind of become a legendary big country fan. So we, we want to talk to him and get some of his, uh, get whatever he can tell us, whatever he's allowed to tell us, we want to hear from some of his experiences on the road with big country. So we'll do that in the future. So we really appreciate the feedback. The feedback keeps us going and gets us excited about doing more big country podcasts. So, you know, without the feedback, there's no point in doing it. So if you like these, please let us know. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for The Great Divide, The Big Country Podcast, if you, don't, uh, if you aren't a friend of that page already. You can also email us at bigcountrypodcast at gmail.com, bigcountrypodcast at gmail.com. And if I may, I want to just give a little bit of shameless self-promotion here. Um, as, as most of you probably know, and I've said it enough times, I'm a musician as well. I record my own music and, and release my own music. And you can find some of that and listen to it for free, of course, at a site called Reverb Nation, R-E-V-E-R-B Nation.com backslash Thomas Kerchival. And my name is T-H-O-M-A-S-K-E-R-C-H-E. V-A-L. So ReverbNation.com backslash Thomas Kirchival. You can find a lot of my songs on there and, uh, you know, give a listen. I'd love to hear what you think of those two. Certainly very big country influenced, but, you know, I'm not sitting out the copy big country. They just happen to be my major influence. So that certainly comes through in the, in the music. If you like them, maybe you'll like my stuff too. Who knows? I also have an, uh, a CD available for download on iTunes under the name Dis which is the name I was releasing music under for a while. And that album is called Greenhorn. So if you're on iTunes, do a search for Discs and Greenhorn, and you'll find that there. You can you know, preview the songs. You can even buy it if you feel so inclined. 
but check it out. And so with that in mind, I'm going to end the show with a cover that I did along with my lovely wife, who is also a huge Big Country fan. And since we're talking about B-sides, I thought it would be appropriate to play one of our covers of a Big Country B-side that was on both my list and Svein's list. This is our version, our stripped-down version of Belief in the Small Man. Hope you enjoy it, and we will see you next time on The Great Divide. Thanks so much for listening. Just as one life turns from birth Just as the ring finds its worth Just as the leaf turns to gold So you and I will be sold So for the work done While we could feel young Sold for the new sun Gold for the pure where does our home lie? When is our own? Lonely the cold cry, only unknown. Where does our home lie?